you like a girl, so you better get sterile. Cause we are the home chicks that are rocking your world. Supersonic. We are back, we meaning the royal we, Dr. Zom. Um, day off again. I hate to sound like a broken record, people, but um, I have a day off. Uh, was expecting some company, but uh, I don't know what happened, kind of fell through, I guess. Uh, but... Um, I just decided since I have nothing to do and I was just watching some television that uh, I might do some recording. You know, sometimes you got to do some recording, get some, get the uh, angst off your chest. Um, I don't know what that was. Maybe I should put on uh, Do Not Disturb. <laughs> I just got a uh, an instant message. Let me do that. My mommy is instant messaging me. <laughs> oh, man. Um, not too much going on this week. Uh, like I said, I, I, um, it probably will be a short show, which is famous last words where I'm concerned, considering I can sit here and do a uh, three-plus-hour episode just talking <laughs> to myself. <laughs> But any hey, these screens are nice, man. I tipped it. I can tip it. That's it. That's way better than just like, you know, like flat. I got it tipped up, so I got my pillow behind my back. I got some stuff to drink this week because uh, of the frogginess of my throat last time when I was, uh, I got that little, little, uh, I don't know what it is, cockroach, palmetto bug or something stuck in the back of my throat when I'm talking a lot here. So I have some, uh, what I have this week is uh, the usual, which is the um, peppermint uh, iced tea. And then I have some Canada Dry ginger ale, which for some reason I decided to buy some. I don't usually drink soda or pop, whatever you want to call it. Soda pop, I guess, put it together. And you get, um, was that Rob Lowe in The Outsiders? Yeah, I think so, maybe. Nothing gold ever stays, baby. But Canada Dry Ginger Ale is 100% nat with 100% natural flavors, uh, made from real ginger since 1904. Canada Dry Ginger Ale. It's what I drink when I want to get some uh, hot loving, hot child in the city, running wild and looking pretty, baby. I found a new porn chick uh, that is just. Um, you know, I guess my type for a, a porn chick, but um, what's her name? Is it Lana Rhodes? Lana, L-A-N-A-R-H-O-A-D-E-S. So it's not like Dusty Rhodes' daughter or anything. She's way better looking than Dirty Rhodes and his, uh, the, the, uh, the, the children from his loins, Dustin and um, that other Cody, that little Cody, Cody Rhodes. Um, but anyway, um, somehow discovered her. I don't know how, but she is uh, one of those dark-haired, blue-eyed, uh, lovely uh, ladies. Uh, very young, which, you know, eh, when you're watching a porno, who cares? But uh, when I saw that she posted on Twitter that it's going to be her 21st birthday is coming up, I was like, Ugh. Anyway, 
So that's 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 my 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 porn recommendation for this week. Um, uh, what do we got here? There's not a lot going on, as I said before. I do tend to repeat myself because of my uh, multiple personality disorder, my obsessive compulsive disorder, my uh, bipolar depression and mania, and what else do I have? Um, yeah. I'm itching. I got an itch. My left boob is itching right now. Um, I look like a bum. Uh, I had a um, ate a T-bone steak this morning. I went to the store. Uh, I thought my nephew might come over. Uh, he mentioned something about coming over, maybe watching some wrestling or something. Um, so I decided to go to the store and get some vittles. That's what we call grub in uh, America, in my part of America. Um, but anyway, I uh, let's see what else was going on this week in the uh, uh, online universe. I was talking to Kevin Von Erich, who I talked to quite a bit. He told me that uh, he t- he has written me more than anybody else that he's ever that he, that he talks to on the internet. Um, just talking to him about um, what the hell were we talking about the other day? Um, I told Loaf, you know, I, I kind of put aside his political views and his views on religion. Uh, and I think that's the best thing to do with, you know, in your life, they always tell you not to talk about religion, sex, or politics. And uh, I think that, that that's probably a good thing uh, because of the way things are these days where everybody is just, you know, um, pushing each other's buttons to the max and, and uh, staunchly conservative or staunchly uh, progressive or staunchly, you know, fascist, Nazi, Ku Klux, uh, racist, whatever. Anyway, but um, he lives in Hawaii now. He was a performer, pro wrestler who had a, just a ton of, I mean, way, uh, more tragedy than any family on the planet Earth should ever have. Uh, I think he said one time he, uh, he uh, had five brothers, and now he's not even a brother because all his brothers... Uh, died um, uh, in untimely deaths. Uh, you got a uh, let's see. Oh my God! You had um, three suicides. One that um, basically I think uh, passed out and had a uh, an intestinal inflammation. Passed out after a night of eating and drinking, and uh, I believe uh, you know uh, uh, choked on his own uh, vomit or whatever in Japan. And a little little boy uh, son that uh, his dad, uh, the wrestler, uh, legendary wrestler and promoter Fritz von Erich had, uh, who when he was only like maybe three years old or something like that, touched a hot wire uh, outside on their air conditioning and uh, it electrocuted him, and he fell face first in a puddle of water. And I don't I don't know if the uh, electricity killed him or, or or if he drowned in the, but it knocked him out, and I think he fell in a puddle of water and drowned sort of, or basically I'm not, you know, who can tell, you know, when it's a, something like in that situation, but just, just so much tragedy. Um, but anyway, he lives in Hawaii. He posts a lot of uh, pictures. He's really into nature, takes a lot of pictures of, uh, uh, of, um, uh, the, the outdoors over there. And, uh, well, I know what we we're talking about. We were talking about prawns. Uh, he, uh, had a, had a handful of, uh, these prawns was like these large shrimp, almost like a, or not shrimp, uh, look more like a, what we would call crawdads or crayfish or whatever over here. Which to to uh, 
to you city slickers, that would be like a, a little lobster that you find in a creek or a creek. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, it sounded like a sounded like a true redneck baby, like Captain Redneck Dick Murdoch. Yeah. Except without all the racism in Ku Klux Klan. But I still, I do have a brain buster, which I have unleashed on uh, many, uh, many people who uh, I have to smite when they try and, when they do me wrong. Yeah, the brain buster. I think, uh, um, Killer Carl Cox did that too, which is another one that, uh, I mean, by his very name, he spelled it, uh, you know, Carl with a K, and his last name Cox was with a K, and Killer, of course, is with a K, so he would always wear a black T-shirt that had KKK on it. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> he was a heel most of the time, though. So I guess you know you'll you'll have that. That's a good way to get heat. Um, talking some brass, and I'm talking over the heads of people who listen to the show that don't care about that brass and BB. But we have all kind of talk this week. I, I have some uh, probably some comic book talk, some. Uh, DVDs, Blu-rays, uh, some movies, some uh, un, uh, or some of uh, uh, what do you call it, obituaries, baby. That's the big word that they use in uh, in uh, in the big city. And uh, just you know, like I said, I just felt like getting on here and just <laughs> babbling a little bit. So I might even go. I might even look at some of the um, uh, stuff we were talking about on the, on the uh, feedback group too. We have we have some pretty good uh, i don't know if it's uh, discussions but you know i just try and keep things lively keep things moving and uh we get some well, a lot of conversation about uh consumer stuff like you know just food and uh uh cars and what you like what you don't like you know what scares you what your phobia is it's a good group i keep it we keep it closed i keep it closed because i started it it's my group um because uh, i do have people that ask to join uh but for the most part they are people that you know, are outside of our circle, our inner circle. Um, and I like to keep it with just among friends over there. You know, I don't want to get people on there just, uh, you know, trolling or acting a fool, you know. I don't mind getting, I, I don't mind trolling. The only time I troll, though, is with the truth, because that's all I, that's all I know is the truth. But I like to troll, like, uh, news websites. Uh, but it's not with friends or anybody that I know. And I did have... Um, one racist guy uh, basically tell me that uh, they are going to start a genocide and kill more people than this child killer in like Sweden or something. I think I might have mentioned that before. Had a guy last week um, on a, on on an old West uh, Facebook group. Um, they posted this really grotesque, morbid picture of um, a, a town in oh, I think it was Wyoming. And it was, you know, a period uh, uh, a picture from like maybe the 18, late 1800s where they had caught this guy who was a thief and a killer and they and they killed him. And then they put a post up in the in, at the edge of town and they they basically tied his dead body, you know, to this post. And it was like, I guess, sort of as a warning or whatever. And I just mentioned that I thought it was pretty grotesque. And, um, you know, if you're if you're the good guys, you know, sure, you may say there's a murderer and, and you put him down like a mad dog. Well, you know, you're supposed to be better than, than the, um, the crazy psycho people. Um, 
and you know put him in the ground but uh you know i'm sure there were families and little kids and stuff living in that town and to see a, a dead corpse and then leave it out there to to rot in the in the in the elements uh i just think it's kind of barbaric and this guy got into it with me and i tried to be to make my case uh in a rational way just basically saying you know I, I don't mind the picture per se because it is a part of our history, but I think that, you know, because the the thing that disturbed me more than anything were the people on there that were saying, and I and I told him this, were the people that were on there saying, this is the way we should do things these days. And I said, you know, no, it's not. You know, we shouldn't, you know, that's the kind of stuff that they do in, in uh some of these countries that we claim that we despise, you know. Um, so um he got kind of pissy and I looked at his page and it said as an as employment he was a gun for hire and then he started telling me you know that he packs heat um or packs a rod I don't think he said a rod <laughs> but he said something like he, he 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 packs heat and if anybody messes with him he'll uh he'll uh make a canoe out of their out of their skull uh and i said something i responded uh you do that a lot huh and then he responded to me uh um if you have anything on me then make your case but uh, i'm not saying anything else and just basically kind of did the internet tough guy thing which he accused me he goes oh you're really tough and all this stuff um but it was kind of like there was at one point where he kind of it was sort of like a uh, vaguely disguised threat. <laughs> but then when I was going to res- I responded like, "Hey, you know, we we'll agree. To, let's agree to disagree. Uh, you know, I, this is a good. Gr- I, I like this group and da da da." But he blocked me, so he blocked me before I blocked him. So I'm still waiting to you know walk out to my car some night and get shot by some fucking moron. <laughs> But then again, you know, I was going to diffuse the situation by telling him that I was like 14, 13 or 14 years old. But now that I think about it, he probably was 13 or 14. But so anyway, it, it kind of makes you think sometimes if you're going to do stuff like that and get on there and, and, and debate. And, you know, I try not to get into a, a heated debate because I try and, you know, be logical and just, you know, not not just be like, hey, you're a fat, so you're an asshole, you know, fart face or something like that, which I, I'm capable of. I think that's kind of funny, actually. But um, uh, I started thinking if you're going to use your real name to do that, it might not be the best idea. But also my dad's name is the same as mine so i figure if i got a 50 50 chance if they look somebody up they may go and you know shoot him instead of me (laughs) that's awful i shouldn't say that no let me have a little drink of this canada dry ginger ale made from real ginger ginger ale 100 percent natural flavors 12 full ounces since 1904 1904 and this is from canada too it's dry I'm a cackling fool, baby. Uh, I wanted to get into a, a few things here. Um, see. Um, one thing that I saw the other day, and it just kind of was like, well, and, and, and it really um, is linked for me to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, and that's the passing of Gaston Mosin, um, or Moshin. Um, 
Gaston Moshim was born in, in June 8th, 1929 in uh, San Giovanni, Italy. And uh, most of you would probably know him from uh, Godfather Part 2. He played the Black Hand in Godfather Part 2. But no, but I shouldn't even say that because uh, uh, knowing our group, uh, most of you might probably know him from Milano Calibro 9. Uh, where he played Ugo Piazzi, uh, who was this um, big kind of thuggish enforcer who shows back up and um, burp. He, his uh, his ex-lady is Barbara Boucher, and the, the very lovely Barbara Boucher. And in this, she's so good looking you know there's times when i see pictures of jill ireland charles bronson's um wife um when she was young and and at a glance i'm like oh that's or i'll see one or the other and i'll think oh there's jill ireland but it's barbara boucher or vice versa but uh yeah he passed away and uh it was kind of like a uh a little you know in the side because of uh, him being like uh, one of those patron saints of the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. I remember specifically when I was getting ready to watch uh, Milano Calibro 9, uh, I posted that I was I was going to watch it because Will and Sammy had recommended it, I think. And uh, Will sent me a, uh, a, a response that said, um, you know, just remember the name, Ugo Piazzi, or Piazza. Uh, and uh, after I watched the movie, I was like, I didn't know what he was talking about at first. Then when I watched the movie, I was like, yes, yes, that was so fucking good. But um, he was he was born in, uh, like I said, 1929, so he was 88. Uh, that's pretty long life, and uh, he made a lot of movies. Uh, the, the Conformist, or Il Conformista, that was another one that, uh, that I really like. It's just a beautiful masterpiece of a movie. Uh, but he he was uh, in a a lot of um, you know Italian uh, cop movies and things like that. Um, but um, the one thing, and I've heard a lot of people say this that had watched uh, uh, Milano Calibro Nine that uh, maybe had seen The Godfather Part Two a bazillion times and never realized it was the same guy because it was much later. I mean. Well, no, not that much later. I mean, my God, uh, Caliber 9, which is also known as Caliber 9, uh, was made in 1972, and Godfather Part 2 was 1974. I thought there was a little bit more time in between there. But yeah, he was definitely a um, a screen presence, had a great look. I mean, he was, uh, if they did, I mean, he was the guy that, uh, if they made the uh, Italian version of... Um, the Fantastic Four, he could play the thing. <laughs> I mean, with uh, and they wouldn't even have to paint him orange and put rocks on him or anything. He just looked like that, like uh, kind of like the, uh, Joe from uh, Reservoir Dogs, the thing, the fucking thing. Um, anyway, let's move on from that. That's kind of a sad thing. We have one more that's that's uh, obituary, and that's uh, the passing of uh, Richard Anderson, who almost probably everybody knows as uh, Oscar Goldman on the uh, uh, 1970s TV show The Six Million Dollar Man with Lee Majors. Um, I grew up and I saw, um, and he was also on The Bionic Woman with Lindsay Wagner. Uh, he he uh, was kind of a, well, I can't remember what the name of it was, if it was 
OSS or something like that, but he was um, like a CIA guy, and uh, he was uh, 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 Steve Austin and uh, Jamie Summers later, uh, their kind of handler. Um, but I saw him first on The Big Valley, which also starred uh, Lee Majors. He was a guest star a few times on The Big Valley, um, and also you would see him in uh, uh, Paths of Glory. He was one of the um, the French officers that was kind of a dickhead. <laughs> oh, he's in uh, Forbidden Planet. He was in some good stuff. Um, was uh, Seven Days in May with uh, Kirk Douglas and uh, Burt Lancaster is another one off the top of my head that uh, that I really liked. But again, um, Richard Anderson. Uh, you know, oh my God. I mean, he was older than Ugo Piazzi. He was 91. So he'd been around for a long time. Uh, one thing that I did like, because I was such a fan of his on the Six Million Dollar Man, and uh, there there must have been a friendship between him and Lee Majors, uh, because, like I said, uh, he guest starred on uh, Big Valley, and then he wa- they, they worked together all the time on Six Million Dollar Man and Bionic Woman. Um, but I saw... I have watched a, a couple of times on YouTube some different uh, interviews from like cons and things like that and press conferences with Lee Majors and Richard Anderson on the same uh, on the stage answering questions and stuff, which is really cool. I really liked him a lot. I thought he was a he was a good actor. You know, I don't know uh, that much about him. Um, let's see. He says. Uh, well, like I said, I mean, just from my. Most of my knowledge of him was from TV and from movies. But, you know, it's sad to see. Uh, the older you get, the more you start seeing people that you grew up watching on TV and sports and things like that, uh, you know, leaving this life. Uh, the one thing that, um, you know, I was thinking about, and I'm trying to think who it was here recently that passed away. And I just thought to myself, you know, you know what? Um, it's sad that this person or any of these people passed away, but because they were on TV or you know TV shows or or in the movies and things like that, I mean that they'll live forever. I, I've seen some people that um, I I might watch a movie a million times or a TV show, and and I always think of them as as the age they are in that movie, and then I'll see a a picture of them. And uh, maybe they've been out of the spotlight for a while, and you're like, oh, you know, yeah, I guess they're 80 years old. We were talking about Sean Connery the other night at work and uh, and a couple people like that. But, you know, then you have guys like John Stamos who who I'm pretty sure are they're a vampire and never get old. So, you know, fuck you, John Stamos. I like John Stamos, though. I, don't, I mean, you know, he's, he seems like a good guy. He has a strange belly button. I saw him on TV talking about his belly button. I guess he, I don't know if he had a uh, surgery or something and it ran, like he has a scar that runs down his stomach to his belly button and when they stitched him back up, it's kind of, even though he's he's so handsome and so, you know, just classically, uh, just a good looking guy, he has, a, he has, you know, he was cursed with a, a weird belly button. So, you know, hey, we can't all have, we can't have it all. Let's get down to some movies. Um, I don't know. Um, I did not watch a lot of movies because I got caught up in a in a couple in a series, uh, which I'll talk about here later. But uh, I did have some, and like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna fill up the time with a few other things. <laughs> I'm sure you're all happy about that. Um, 
Let's see. Um, I watched 2016's Jarhead 3, The Siege. Okay, now, the first Jarhead was the Jake Gyllenhaal, Jamie Foxx movie. And uh, I read that book, and then I saw the movie, which the movie went right along with the book. Uh, pretty much an anti-war movie. Um, I have some friends that uh, are um, kind of... I don't know if I would say military fetishists or whatever, but any movie like that they fucking hate because they're like, oh, that's not the way it is. Uh. I was like, well, the guy was a sniper and he was in the Marines and he was there and this is his story. So obviously it was that way, at least for him, maybe for your brother or cousin or whoever who is, you know, John Wayne or, you know, uh, not a human being, but just the perfect uh, gentleman and perfect um machine uh but anyway these that movie was pretty serious and and pretty uh um a big big box office mainstream movie i haven't seen it in a while but uh the the sequel this is the only sequel that i've seen i guess you know there is a jarhead 2 with i think cole hauser and uh i'm gonna watch that one um this one okay i thought it was pretty entertaining uh, it did have a couple of things. It had one of those, uh, I like to call them a Nikima. Uh, there was a cartoon, uh, a Tarzan cartoon, Saturday morning cartoon. And uh, they always had to, with these cartoons, they would have a cool thing going, but they'd have to have like a little annoying sidekick. Uh, whether it be uh, in that one, he had like a little spider monkey named Nikima. So I call these kind of people Nikimas. Uh, but... Um, there's a guy in this who is a reporter that tags along with uh, them and makes just really shitty jokes, and he's just a douche. Uh, the movie would have been way better without him. Uh, this stars um, – and one of the main reasons I watched it is um, – that Scott Adkins or Scott Edward Adkins uh, is starring in this. Uh, he's not the main guy. I kind of like that because uh, he's he's like the uh, the the top sergeant guy, I guess, or whatever. Um, but um, Dennis uh, Haysbert is in this, and he is the guy that does the Allstate commercials. He's got that voice. Oh, state, you know, I can't, I can't even do his voice because he kind of has a nasally voice. He's an African American gentleman, and uh, he was also on that. There was a TV show about like the special forces or Navy SEALs. I can't remember what it was called, the the team or the elite or something shit like that. Uh, but he's been in a lot of stuff. I, he's pre- he's a pretty good actor. Uh, the main guy is uh, Charlie Weber, um, and he's the young young guy coming on to the team um and this is basically um what was that the movie that um they did i want to say 24 hours but it wasn't 24 hours it was like 28 hours or 38 hours or something like that it was the one with um about the benghazi um the Benghazi uh, siege and all that. Uh, this is sort of the uh, goes along those lines. You know, they're not saying Benghazi or anything, but it's it's a, a straight to DVD kind of siege movie that that goes uh, along sort of the way that story went. Uh, they don't bring into it the whole you know uh, they didn't send help and all this shit or anything like that. It's just a straight up action movie, more like a kind of like a John Wayne movie. Um, I liked it. It's got a lot of action in it. It's got a lot of shooting. (laughs) This is one of those movies that uh, my inner um, uh, 
person who wants to be progressive that doesn't want any war doesn't want to see any war anybody get killed in a war but realizes it's you know it seems like we haven't been able to go ever without having some kind of war and that's not just our country but the you know the whole whole world um but i kind of with the with this movie you know i kind of try and turn off my political uh shit and just turn off my brain and watch it and enjoy a, a good shoot 'em up action movie um again you have the uh well you know what they did that i wouldn't say that it was so it was just like a mindless uh enemy uh arabs that are um or i don't know i'm trying to think where this took place if it was persians or Arabs, I can't remember. Um, but, you know, in a lot of movies where they would just make them the, the mindless uh, savages or whatever, and, the, you know, they're under the, 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 the army guys are under siege in the embassy. Um, but you did have, they did show uh, kind of some, like the, some both, both sides deal where they had um, s- some of the local people that were helping them, that, that were actually with them. And, um, uh, the the baddies were trying to get in to kill these people because they were traitors or whatever, working with Mirka. Uh, it had a hot girl in it. What was her name? Sasha Jackson. She played Olivia Winston. <laughs> but, you know, you have a hot chick in there, and then, you know, she, she uh, also can handle herself pretty well. Uh, like I said, this is kind of a cartoony uh, shoot-em-up uh, old-school army movie i didn't mind it and and what i was going to compare it to and what made me want to um uh watch jarhead 2 was uh and i never would have thought about watching these these are on it's on uh, netflix instant um is that i kind of after watching this one i kind of compare it to uh the sniper um uh, movie series with uh, Tom Berenger and then of course they had the one I think that it just had Billy Zane and a young guy not and Tom Berenger wasn't in it but you know it's one of those things it's a straight to DVD like I said with Sniper you know hey it wasn't uh it wasn't like a a fucking uh, major Hollywood movie uh but again uh, as far as just a straight up just action movie that'll get your juices flowing and get to see a lot of shooting and fighting and stuff like that uh you could do worse so i'm gonna find jarhead 2 and watch it uh and if 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 it is as good as this one hey you know i i enjoyed it like i said i know some people when i posted it said uh what's this shit you know uh next thing i watched was 2016's cardboard boxer this was written and directed by nate uh lee um and it stars Thomas Hayden Church and Terrence Howard. This one is also on uh, Netflix Instant. Uh, and um, I don't know. I just thought uh, I I remember seeing Thomas Hayden Church in um, the movie with Paul Giamatti about where they were drinking you know wine taste wine tasters and drinking wine and trying to get into Virginia Madsen's pants and stuff. Which I thought that movie was really good. Um, so anyway, I thought I would check this one out, and I'm glad I did. It was pretty good. Um, it has a lot to do the the theme of it is um kind of revolves around or a part of it uh like when people would do those bum fights where those uh, asshole uh 
people would go and pay uh, homeless people to basically fight each other. And these people are, you know, hungry. They're, they're, a lot of them are mentally ill. Uh, they're living on the street. Uh, they have, you know, just trying to get by. And it's hard enough in life. And then these assholes come along and say, hey, I'll give you, you know, 10 bucks if you beat the shit, if, uh, if you two fight and fist fight each other or whatever. So it's pretty, repu- that's pretty repulsive. That's not the, the only thing in this movie. That's, but that's a part of the movie. Um, it, it is a pretty good movie showing what it's like to be a homeless person and uh thomas hayden church's character like i said i uh, um might be have uh, might be uh, a little bit you know have some mental problems and uh he finds a, a diary in a burnt out uh a house or apartment and starts reading it and uh, it it just shows the loneliness and you know life on the street it's it's pretty it's a pretty good movie it's not a great movie but it's definitely worth a watch if you want to check it out check it out i kind of recommend it there a little bit daddy-o um next thing i watched was another uh action movie uh this was 2016's lady blood fight uh directed by christopher nahon and um written by Bay Logan. Uh, this stars Amy Johnston, Muriel Hoffman, and Jenny Wu. Has a lot of uh, ladies in it. Uh, this this would basically be um, kind of like a Jean Claude Van Damme blood sport, except with women. Uh, they are even going to fight in a kumite, which I think was the big thing in blood sport, where Van Damme was going to go and. Uh, avenge his brother or something like that so it goes along those lines i think that um from what i read there's um the 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 girl um uh, the girl the woman amy johnston is um a stunt woman and i believe that there's a lot of uh people in this that that are you know female stunt women and things like that um again I thought this was pretty entertaining. I didn't expect much. Uh, I thought, you know, well, I'll probably turn it on and it won't be worth a shit. But it actually carried me all the way through. And uh, it's got some good characters and some pretty good fighting. It's got this uh, Russian, eat mean-ass fucking Russian chick in it who's got a big scar on her face. And she is fucking a badass. Uh, and they really, you know, they really sell it and play it up and, and all that. Has some little uh, side story going on there, kind of like Van Damme with... You know, going over to uh, avenge his brother or whatever, but it's sort of something like that. So I didn't mind this one at all. If you want to check it out, I, I definitely would recommend this one. It's one of the better, more entertaining, like straight to DVD um, kung fu karate movies I've seen in a while. Um, now I just threw in a, a few like trailers that I watched to give my my uh, I shouldn't say yay or nay because. Um, uh, with trailers until I, I I definitely have seen some trailers that as soon as I see it I'm like like shot caller uh, which I talked about last week as soon as I saw that trailer I was like man that looks good um, but until you actually see the movie you know but you can sometimes get a little bit of a you know thing like this is the kind of movie I would like or this looks like shit <laughs> but I saw the trailer for Brawl in Cell Block 99 uh, from 2017. Uh, this is uh, uh, directed by S. Craig Zoller, and uh, like I said, written and directed. And it stars Vince Vaughn and Don Johnson's in it. Um, 
I just want to say I watched the trailer and it made my my uh, I shouldn't I don't know if I should say Vince Vaughn phobia, but Vince Vaughn when he was in Swingers and the follow up to Swingers uh, it was I can't remember what it was called but it was another movie with him and John Favreau I like those. Um, the breakup with Jennifer Aniston, he wasn't bad in that at all, but it was just... And and, and that movie in itself, um, when I watched it, I thought, okay, this is going to be, you know, a comedy. Jennifer Aniston's all, you know, she's hot, so I wouldn't mind watching her, her perky nipples. And uh, <laughs> But um, that movie was depressing as shit because they actually did cover all the, the the stuff that you go through during a breakup and i'm not the biggest breakup fan in the world which i don't know who who would be but it was it was a hard look and a hard um kind of reality it did have funny stuff in it but it was also kind of like Ugh, you know and you almost expect in that kind of movie of jennifer aniston movie would be like a rom-com or something that it that it would have that you know happy ending and yeah no happy ending there uh, so anyway i don't know this one uh, what vince vaughn i think i have soured on him because i thought he with the, with the his comedy he kind of has that uh you know, smart-ass, uh, quick way of talking, which works, but it was kind of became like a one-trick pony. It definitely was great in Swingers when they, when they were, you know, when he was young and Favreau was young and all the guys were in there. I think Ron Livingston was in there. and, and uh, But um, now he seems, and, and God bless him, you know, for wanting to not be typecast or wanting to break out and do other things. But I thought when I saw one of the reasons when uh, True Detective Part 2, the series, love True Detective 1, except for the final scene of the uh, series. Um, but when I heard they were doing True Detective 2, first of all, I was like, boing, because I like the first one. But then I saw that Vince Vaughn was cast as like the main one of the main guys, and I was like, Ugh. "Okay, why do you want to do this? Why Vince Vaughn? You know, okay, Woody Harrelson makes fu- made funny movies, uh, but he has also proved himself as a dramatic actor. Um, Vince Vaughn." So I gave it a shot and I watched it and it was okay. But I, I, like I said before, and I have said on, or I've said on here before, um, I hated his character and I hated his wife in the, in true detective two. So then I'm, and, and you know, he's a big guy. I mean, hell, he's probably like six foot four or something like that. He's a big, tall guy. Uh, but now it seems like he wants to be a tough guy. And he wants to play a tough guy in movies. So I watched this trailer for Brawl in Cell Block 99, and I'm like, okay, here's Vince Vaughn uh, breaking the breaking the mold again and uh, wanting to prove that he's a badass and a tough guy. Now, again, I will w- probably watch this. So, you know, uh, I, I, def- I definitely will watch it, especially now that I have talked about the trailer. The trailer did nothing for me. <laughs> I was like, eh, well, this, I don't know. It just... <laughs> I don't know what that means. Is that a criticism? <laughs> Let me have a drink, Daddy. 
So I'm going to move on from that. That was just a little trailer critique. <laughs> I have another one coming up, and it's right here. Now, this one is one that did make me go, bow, bow. Uh, that's my boner. <laughs> I watched. I didn't even know this was coming out, and I saw this trailer, and I thought, "Wait a minute, Blade of the Immortal." That sounds familiar. Well, this is 2017, also known as uh, Muyen no Junin, um, and it is directed by uh, Takashi Miike, which I th- I'm sure that all of you know who he is, um, and. The reason that I recognize it was I have read a couple of these manga. Uh, got on Things from Another World, which is kind of my go-to place for buying uh, comics. I like the floppy paper comics. And <laughs> I still get on there and look for uh, cheapies and stuff like that. And I think I found a couple of the manga on there for maybe like a dollar or something in the Nick and Dent section. And I read them, and it's a... Um, Samurai-based story, and it went on, I guess, for a long, long time. The, the mangas went on for a long, long time. I only read a couple of them, but it has a, a, a strange and different take. And I don't want to say what it is, uh, but I watched this trailer and I was like, yes. And not only that, but I read that this is Mikkei's 100th film. I mean, 100 fucking movies. That is just amazing. Now, I've only seen a couple or a few, you know, maybe two or three. Uh, and he has some weird shit and some strange shit. But um, I am waiting for this one and I can't wait to watch it. That's all I have to say about that trailer that is. So you have... Uh, Brawl in Cell Block 99 with Vince Vaughn, and I'm kind of like, I will watch it, but I'm, I don't have high expectations. It may end up being good, um, because uh, it was, it did look kind of odd. <laughs> but uh, Blade of the Immortal, I'm in like Flynn, Daddy. Okay, next thing I watched, people. I like to say that all the time. Next thing I watched, um. I watched a documentary called uh, Famous Nathan, and this was a documentary about uh, the founder of Nathan's Famous Hot Dogs, Um, and it was a little small hot dog place uh, in, I think, uh, Coney Island in in New York, and uh, this guy basically built it up into this big, huge thing. It has a lot... Uh, it goes along. Uh, it's it's a an, an awesome time caps capsule. I like uh, documentaries like this. Um, and I had mentioned before I watched some on uh, the PBS channels uh, here with uh, Rick Steeb. Um, and uh, there's several that he did um, where he goes across the country and visits hot dog places and uh, drives on famous uh, roads. And shows, you know, how things used to be. The ones about, because I live so close to Pittsburgh, the ones about Pittsburgh and their local suburbs and things like that, where he goes around to uh, uh, the local businesses and they show, like, uh, restaurants and and go over, you know, uh, 
the the um, history of certain places, certain areas, talks to the people there, and it really takes you back in time and gives you that feeling. It just makes you like, wow, man, this is so interesting. Well, that's kind of how this is. Um, um, the Nathan Handworker uh, is the guy that started Nathan's Famous Hot Dogs, and it shows how the place builds up and all the things that they do interviews a lot of the people that used to work there and i mean there were just thousands and thousands of people that would come there every day and and how they kind of had a a uh, it, it almost became like a machine but the people loved working there and how they how they would uh, every day get ready for the mad rush and how they would cook all these hot dogs and just get them out to people bah, 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 bah. and the people loved the place they loved uh, and the people that work there loved working there and everything and the work ethic. But uh, it also covers, um, you know, his family and him wanting to leave something to his sons and to his family. Uh, a lot of it had to do with him providing for his family and saying, hey, I created this thing, you know, and uh, it's good the way it is. Let's just leave it the way it is, and and your family will be set, and your kids will be set, and everything. And then how they, it, it's kind of almost like Hero Dreams of Sushi, sort of like that, but with hot dogs. <laughs> and I would said once when I watched this, I I fucking went to the store on the way home from work and fucking bought a pack of hot dogs, and and I came home and ate two hot dogs. So <laughs> I don't I don't eat hot dogs that often anymore. But let's see here. Okay, this is another one. This is kind of like my uh, movie trailer thing. This is a movie that I just discovered. I haven't watched, but I want to check out. Um, and it kind of reminds me, one of the reasons is the pictures that I saw of this movie on Google Image Search, it kind of reminded me of what I was talking about with uh, uh, Famous Nathan or those documentary shows on PBS and it's it's called uh, it's 1949's Holiday Affair with Robert Mitchum and Janet Leigh and um, I love Robert Mitchum I had never heard of this and you know I, I always see Robert Mitchum in these movies where he's the tough guy or you know in a war movie or uh, just a, a gangster movie or something like that um, Thunder Road whatever uh, Friends of Eddie Coyle and he plays that tough big tough guy but I also that's the kind of guy that I also uh, was like Clark Gable or um, I don't know Fred McMurray I'm just thinking of people I like to watch them in some of these older movies that where they're not playing the tough guy where they're playing like the leading man in kind of a light hearted uh, either I, sh- I don't know if I would say rom-com, uh, but just a you know a, a movie where they're they're stretching like Vince Vaughn is stretching. <laughs> but um, what I was going to say was I saw some of the pictures and it just reminded me of the old days uh, uh, during the holiday season when you would go to, I mean later on you would go to the mall, but when you would go to the stores when you were young and uh, get presents wrapped and you see people walking down the street and this one it's black and white and they're they're have an, an arm full of, of gifts that they're buying for their kids or their wife their girlfriend um, 
there there it's like a blast of silence in New York where you see the black and white uh photography of the people walking down the street with the the men with the fedora fedoras and the long uh overcoats and how the women dress and everything and it just made me nostalgic so I want to check this one out I haven't seen it uh and I haven't got hadn't heard anybody talk about it so I'm going to seek that one out I even made a little notation what I do is uh if I when I'm looking for you know, just stuff to post on the group or something like that. If I find, uh, if I scroll down and find movie posters or something that catches my eye, I try and save the the uh, movie poster on my iPad so I'll have a reminder to go back and watch it. Or to seek it out, as they say in Canada. Seek it out. Out, out. Whatever. Eh. <laughs> Last night I watched uh, Silence of the Lambs. Haven't seen that one in a long time. My friend Greg and I watched it. Uh, I thought it was on TV. And I hear the the F word, and then I see James Gum tuck his cock between his legs and do his little dance. You know his his I'd fuck me, you know. And uh, you you watch this one, and I've seen it. So I haven't seen it in a while, so that's why I, I, it was kind of cool to watch it because it's so good. But it's one of those movies that it's like. Woo! <laughs> I'm so excited! I'm yawning. Um, <laughs> uh, so we were talking about um, on the internet the other day about Tombstone, and somebody posted, you know, your your favorite um, quotes from Tombstone, and that's kind of how this is with like, sure, great big fat person. <laughs> I love Scott Glenn in this. I actually, after I watched the movie, got on YouTube and looked up, uh, you know, when uh, Clarice first meets um, Scott Glenn, and I was looking up. Um, his character, uh, Jack Crawford, who was also played by um, Harvey Keitel in Manhunter, uh, Scott Glenn in Silence of the Lambs, uh, Dennis Dennis Farina in Manhunter, uh, Scott Glenn in Silence of the Lambs, Harvey Keitel in Red Dragon, and on the TV show it was... He was in Apocalypse Now. He was Lawrence Fishburne. He still is Lawrence Fishburne. Um... But I looked up his character, and and then uh, you know the guy that they actually based the character on, who uh, became a um, criminal profiler for the FBI, and he is the guy that went around and um, they interviewed behavioral science uh, guy for the FBI, and they went around and uh, interviewed all these seri- famous serial killers, um, uh, and that's why I had talked about. I think. Uh, a week or so, a couple of weeks ago or whatever, when I was watching those uh, interviews with um, Edmund Kemper and Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer and things like that. Well, that this is the guy, the guy that they that Jack Crawford is based on uh, is the guy that, that was doing that, and he's the one that they're making the series on Netflix um, where it, the whole series is about them creating this criminal profile behavioral science uh thing where and they're going around and interviewing these uh, serial killers so that show looks like it's really going to be good looking forward to that one uh what do and jody foster was so young in this you know when we were watching it, i was like oh my god and she's a little bit older than me not that much only like a, a, a couple of years because my god she started when she was just a little kid um but moving right along, I watched Prometheus, uh, and I, I was going to say not by choice. It's not that I don't like the movie. Uh, it's just that 
again, my friend Greg and I were, he, he put it in and we watched it. So, um, again, you know, it has its flaws. I didn't mind it as much as some people hated it. And, uh, but it's one of those ones that, uh, when it first came out, I watched it, uh, several times. So, uh, like I said, with Silence of the Lambs, um, when it came out, I saw it in the theater and then watched it when it came out on VHS a bunch. And then it was on TV, so I saw it so many times. Well, I haven't watched it in a long time, so when I watched it, I, I really enjoyed it. Prometheus, it needs to be on the shelf for a while before I watch it again. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Watched uh, 2017's Once Upon a Time in Venice, starring Bruce Willis, John Goodman, and Jason Momoa. Um, and it's directed by Mark, written and directed by Mark Cullen and Rob Cullen, who I guess maybe is Mark Cullen's brother. Um, this is a, well, I don't know. It didn't come to the theater around here, I don't think, but it was straight to DVD, I believe. Um, it's not bad. It's very quirky and it kind of reminded me of a, um, shit. Now I can't remember what that movie was called. It was one of the first movies I saw Charisse Charlize Theron in, and had something to do about a dog. It was kind of a Pulp Fiction. I shouldn't say knockoff, but it was one of those ones after Pulp Fiction. Was it something Two Days in the Valley? Sort of like that. It's got it's got some action in it. Bruce Willis is a douche, and <laughs> he did he did let his uh, horseshoe hair grow out on the uh, sides of his head for this. Um, not bad. Like I said, it's not a horrible fucking movie, but it's it's one that you can miss. Um, you get to see Bruce Willis's naked old ass. So if you want to see that. <laughs> okay, now one of the reasons, as I said before, that I, um, I did not have as many movies to talk about this week is because I started watching Mad Men. Uh, Mad Men is on... Hang on, I, I'm getting the frog. Knee deep, knee deep. Okay. Um, Mad Men's first season is on Netflix Instant. And so I thought, you know what? I've heard a lot about this, and uh, it's it did its run. I guess it went for seven seasons. And uh, why not jump in uh, and, and give it a peek? Um, if you are a recovering alcoholic and you're clean and sober... Or if you are recovering from a nicotine addiction and you haven't smoked in a long time, do not watch this fucking show. Um, They drink and they smoke so much in this fucking show that even after a while, and I don't drink and I don't smoke, I was wanting a cigarette and a fucking uh, glass of scotch or something. I mean, this, again, I hate to say, use the same term over and over again, but this is a time capsule. Um... There are things in this... Now, it's like... One thing that I think is funny is when people say... Um, like, take our country back. Or to, you know, the good old days and everything. And and um, I remember somebody saying something about the good old days to my dad. And he was like... He goes, let me tell you something. And he goes, there wasn't any good old days. He goes, you can look back at the past and some of the things in your life that were good and, and cool that you remember with, you know... Uh, affection um but like he grew up during this time and he said you know it wasn't that great he said you know like okay uh there there are parts of it that are are good but there were things that sucked 
Um, so you can't just sit there and say, man, I wish things were, you know, like, uh, like they were in the old days when we had slavery or Jim Crow or women couldn't vote and they stayed at home or treated like shit and everything. Um, so like I said, in this show, it, it's, I don't know if I would want to say it's kind of like, a, it's kind of like a soap opera. It's more than that. Uh, and it's better than that. But, um, as far as the time capsule stuff goes, you see a lot of the things and you're like, Oh my God. But, but what's funny is I hear people on the right that talk about, you know, the alpha male is back. The alpha males are back in charge and all like Sebastian Gorka and that shit. And they look back at this as the way things should be, that you should be able to treat women like shit. Men are superior uh, you should be able to sexually harass women, uh, and without that bullshit political correctness that says that you can't grab your secretary's ass or fuck her or talk to your wife like shit or you know. <laughs> um, some people watch this and think this is the way things should be, and how when things were good before women, you know, ruined everything and got women's lib. And before, you know, the brown people started wanting equal rights and shit. Um, I like the show. I think it's good. Uh, John Hamm, again, I said before, uh, one of the best parts of the movie, The Town, which I didn't really like, particularly like. I thought it was, uh, a lot of people gave it way too much credit. Uh, I like John Hamm's uh, part in that. Um, I wish that he would, now that this is over that he would make some good movies, uh, pick some good projects, because I think he has a really good look, uh, charisma, plus I think he's a pretty good actor. Um, I haven't paid that much attention to the movies that he has made. I know that he's been in some movies that I didn't even realize because I hadn't watched Mad Men. Um, So I didn't realize that he was in some of these movies that I'm familiar with. Um, but, um, I know Loaf, I think, watched a baseball movie that he was in that was kind of like a lighthearted baseball movie. Man, I'm getting froggy again. I don't know what it is. It used to be I didn't have any problem when I did like a podcast or anything, you know, just kind of talking and stuff, but I start getting a real froggy throat. I watched uh, 2015's The Slow West again uh, with uh, Fassbender, Michael Fassbender, Ben Mendelsohn, and Cody Smith-McPhee. This was written and directed by John McLean. John McLean. McLean. Um, This is pretty good. It's a pretty good Western. um, Kind of, I I don't know if I want to say like a Greek tragedy. Um... it's more than just a shoot 'em up western. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Dead Man, the Jim Jarmusch movie. Uh, it has, it's got some quirky elements to it. I thought Fassbender did a, a pretty good job uh, being the kind of cool gunslinger sort of guy. Um, it's one of those ones that kind of is a little bit heartbreaking, um, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. I actually bought that one on iTunes. Hadn't watched it in a while. I was watching it with my bud. My bud. Um, watched uh, 1971's Death in Venice. This is one, like what I was talking about with um, 
the uh, Robert Mitchum movie, I was just looking at some... I think somebody brought up Victim, the uh, Dirk Bogart movie. And I was just going doing a Google image search for something, and I found the movie poster for this, and uh, Death in Venice. Uh, it's uh, directed by Lucini, <laughs> Lucino, Lucino Visconti, and it's uh, from the Thomas Mann novel. A famous novel stars. Uh, I wanted to say Graham Greene. I don't know why, because because I was thinking of uh, the Quiet American, and I was watching something about Graham Greene on uh, YouTube, uh, Hollywood, and, and the CIA. Uh, it's like a, uh, I think a podcast or something that uh, these guys are doing. And uh, <clears throat> Saudi people. Yes, let me have another delicious jig of this kind of. like Bill Cosby now. Um. So anyway, um, I liked uh, The Leopard, um, and so I thought, oh, I'll give this a shot. <sighs> I have mixed feelings about it, because I did read some reviews while I was watching it, and okay, I thought visually, this is a beautiful movie. Um, the way it was shot and everything, I liked it. I liked that style. Now there were some people that said they hated the style and that this uh, that Visconti uh, didn't show any originality. He used that flat 1970s style of shooting the film and everything. I thought it looked great. Um, Dirk Bogart, okay. Um, Burt Lancaster, I believe, wanted to play the part of Gustav uh, von Aschenbach. Uh, in the book, he is an author who has, I think, writer's block. Uh, in the movie, they make him a famous composer. And they explain that the reason they made him a famous composer was this movie does not have a lot of dialogue. And um, they wanted to uh, have a musical score that played through the movie that um, because... Um, Aschenbach um, was a composer and just explaining his motivations and how he would write music and um, what inspired him and things like that. So they wanted to use the music to show the mood and what he's thinking and da 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 da. Um, The subject of the movie it's kind of um, I don't know how to put it. It, it it's it's kind of like there there were people that watched it and said okay here's this old guy who is infatuated with this young boy and it's sick just disgusting he's a fucking child molester or whatever um, but you to me, he doesn't, they, they don't even, I mean, he sees this young boy at this resort that he's staying at, and he, if you want to look at it and not look at it in a uh, mean or perverse or nasty way, you can look at it as he is inspired and um, 
I don't know if I would obsessed maybe a little bit or well maybe a lot depending on you know your take on the movie but um I think some some way they were they were doing it or were were saying it was uh because he never really talks to the kid he never he just admires him and it's like uh, someone who would admire uh, a beautiful flower or a uh, uh you know you see a horse running through the pasture a beautiful animal or a beautiful river or something like that something naturally just stunning and beautiful and for him this young boy was that now of course you know people could say well okay you know maybe he is a you know whatever maybe he does like young boys or whatever, but he doesn't act on it and and it, that goes to the question of um the documentary I watched about um, pedophiles, child molesters, or whatever, and they said there are a certain percentage of people that have that attraction. Like I would have a tr- an attraction for a woman, or a, a woman would have an attraction for a man, or whatever. They're predisposed for whatever reason, whether it's something in their g- genetic makeup or something that happened to them that caused their their growth for their attraction to be stunted at a certain time in life or for a certain reason, whether it's a traumatic event or whatever, they are, it's like uh, Kevin Bacon in The Woodsman, they are predisposed or have been programmed through whatever reason that they are attracted to adolescent boys or girls or prepubescent boys or girls or whatever um but there are a certain percentage which i never thought of and uh, that that they said actually do not act on it and never will never do and in their lifetime and from this movie um again it just depends on how you want to take it do you want to take it as this old lech who's obsessed with this young boy and he's a creeper and he's watching him all the time or whatever or is he a an artist who does who is inspired by beauty who is inspired by um you know just seeing this youth and everything i you know i don't like i said i watched it and then i kind of read about it just to see what they were going for what some people's interpretations were and everything um it's slow it's like I said. There's not a lot of dialogue. Um, I know some people complained and said that they didn't think Dirk Bogart was that was uh, good for the part. Uh, I like him as an actor. This wasn't one of my favorite movies of his, or even of Visconti. So anyway, it's worth a watch. I guess um, it's one of those ones that if you're watching it just for a straight up, uh, you know, spoon-fed narrative. Um, you're not going to get that, but it is thought provoking because of where they don't go. And it's thought provoking because of where they do go. Uh, and I think it leads, leaves, um, a certain amount, maybe this is just my feeling to people's interpretations. So anyway, um, I'm not sad. I'm not unhappy that I watched it. It just was. Again, I thought it was kind of slow. Um, 
but it was worth I'm I'm you know like I said I'm glad I watched it because so, it did make me think uh, next thing I watched was 2016's Rocco uh, this is a documentary about uh, the Italian porn star Rocco Sefredi and um, I saw on YouTube again it's another thing that I just came across one day and I was like what the fuck's this you know and then I saw shit they're doing a documentary I mean a literal uh I don't know if I would say big budget, but a, a an actual serious documentary about Rocco Sefredi. And uh, I have watched Rocco Sefredi before. Um, I, again, I think I have mentioned on the show the first movie, first VHS or first movie I ever saw with Rocco Sefredi. I was at a local video store which had the uh, adult films you went into. It had like a saloon doors like you would see in an old west saloon doors and you went in this room and they had all the the porn the the adult films on the wall and uh i was looking you know going to <laughs> looking for something to uh you know watch this is a long time ago people and um i remember seeing this box of course you know the uh, porn boxes are some of them are really just fucking shitty and in your face and everything else <clears throat> or in your vagina and cock and i saw a box and it was a guy uh performing a sex act on a girl from behind she had her face down on the ground she was on her knees with her face down on the ground sucking on his toe he had she had a dog collar i think around her neck and a leash and he was performing this sex act and pulling on the leash, and it said, "Nobody degrades women like Rocco." <laughs> okay, and um, the movie was called—I want always wanted to say uh, "Insatiable Sandy," but then I've, I think in the Italian or whatever it was like uh, "Sandy Insatiable" or whatever. Anyway. Um, but going on to the uh, the documentary, when I watched this documentary, I thought this is a good companion piece for the Steve McQueen-directed movie Shame, starring Michael Fassbender. Because as I'm watching this, and Rocco is talking about his life and how he got into this business and what um, caused him to be the way he is. Uh, He is a libertine. um, And this is, this is, uh, and I, I, you know, to me, uh, I think he has a sexual addiction, sexual compulsion. um, But also, they show him with his kids. They show him with his wife and how they think of him and how he, uh, uh, their lives and how they're so much different than his thing with his job. And um, there's a good, an interesting relationship between him and his cousin who is uh, like his age that they grew up together. And uh, it's a good documentary. Um The way it's shot, I I like the way it was shot because, uh, of course, Rocco is getting older now, and um, he uh, 
sometimes um, directs or and then his cousin does the the camera work but you see the cousin doing the camera work but the actual uh, film crew that's doing the documentary how they shot the movie I really liked especially when they're showing the sex scenes um, the way that they did their camera work was interesting uh, and made it a lot better um, because like I said it, it, it did show this was a a really uh, serious look at a uh, uh, character study or a serious look at this guy and his life uh, I don't think you have to be know even who Rocco Safradi is um, to watch this and to for it to be again thought provoking and uh, interesting uh, this is on Netflix Instant. It's shocked the fuck out of me. I was surprised uh, because I had posted that this was coming out and I thought it was just going to be an Italian-made documentary and it would all be subtitled and everything. And I didn't think I'd ever see it. And if I did, I would have to like seek it out. And buy. It's on Netflix. <laughs> so like I said, I recommend this. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty interesting. Rocco Sefredi. I started watching, um, oh, what's that sh- fucking show called? <laughs> I started watching uh, uh, Stranger Things, which is a series uh, that on Netflix that um, I have a couple of friends that I work with that watched it and have been telling me, you need to watch this, you need to watch It was like one of those deals where they watched it and they both really liked it. They wanted me to watch it so we could talk about it. So I actually, uh, I've only watched the first episode, and I thought it was pretty good. It's entertaining, and the little kids in it are hilarious. So um, I thought it was pretty good. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm in like Flynn. I think there's only, uh, what is it, like uh, eight episodes? Yeah, so it should be it should be uh, fun to watch, uh, to go all the way through. Um, I watched 2006, 2006's uh, Carla. And it was uh, directed by Joel Bender and written by Michael D. Sellers and Manette Rosen. Stars Laura Prepon, Misha Collins, and Patrick Boshow. Boshow, I think. Um, uh, Laura Pepon is was on the That Seventy Show. Um, I did not know that this had been made. Um, I have a book about uh, this um, couple and what they did. Uh, it's the story of Paul Bernardo, Bernardo and uh, Carla Holmolka. And they were basically serial killer rapists uh, couple. Um, and in Canada, in, uh, I think we're in the Toronto area. Um, this is a very tough subject. It's the book I had, uh, it, um, the, the stuff that they did, and um, it's just monstrous. Um, Bernardo was a narcissistic piece of fucking human shit. Uh, treated women horribly. Um, and I'm not even just talking about being a fucking serial rapist, a brutal serial rapist and a killer, uh, but also um, 
how he treated Carla, who was his uh, girlfriend and wife, uh, there is a dynamic here with this story that still goes on today about their relationship, what it was, what it really was, what it wasn't, who was telling the truth about some things, who was not in the end. Um, it goes to the, the discussion of battered woman syndrome or not. Um, and uh, just manipulative sociopathy, narcissism, and everything. Uh, this is a movie that was, this whole movie was made in the United States. I think that, I mean, they had so many protests up there about anybody, I think, even putting out books. There's two books, I think, that were put out about this um, story, or not story, but this, you know, incidents or, you know, the, the, the life of Carla Homolka and Paul Bernardo and all the people they affected. Um, it really is a tragedy and it really is, I mean, from a psychological standpoint, um, they always talk about like Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole or the Hillside Stranglers or the Toolbox Murder Guys uh, would the as individuals, would they have went as far as they went? Uh, some people say that as individuals, a lot of these team, like two team serial killer deals, uh, psychiatrists and stuff would say, you know, separate, that they would have never done what they did. But together it becomes the perfect storm kind of a deal. I thought this is a pretty good movie. This is on Netflix, or not Netflix, this is on YouTube for free. So, um, and they don't pull any punches. Uh, there are some brutal stuff in this, especially as far as domestic violence goes. Uh, even just reading the book, uh, I wanted to uh, punch Paul Bernardo in the face until his head fucking just was like mush and then after watching this movie uh yeah he um he's the kind of person that um uh, yeah he deserves what he fucking gets or what he should get i watched uh next thing i watched was 2015's burnt this is me my eyes are getting so fucking dry <laughs> jesus christ what the hell's wrong with me my throat's dry my eyes are so dry i can't even hardly fucking see um 2015's burnt um which was directed by John Wells and written by Stephen Knight. Stars Bradley Cooper, Sienna Miller, and Daniel Brühl, who was in uh, Glorious Bastards. Very good in that. And he also played Zemo in, uh, I think, uh, Avengers Civil War. Uh, I liked this movie. Uh, I didn't expect to. I thought it was, I didn't think it was going to be that good at all. Um, but it was free on Netflix, which is where I'm, I'm getting all these movies for free now that I can download them to my uh, iPad for free um, and cutting back on my spending money on movies. Um, I did watch The Murder in Venice was one that I actually paid for on, uh, I rented on iTunes. Uh, but Burnt, I thought was pretty good. I, I enjoy some of these documentaries, if they're done well, about chefs 
and restaurants and things like that. Um, I think it can be uh, interesting. I uh, Somebody on the group, and I can't remember who it was, said they didn't like this. Uh, they don't think that food and stuff like that can be interesting. Um, th- that's just a, a part of this movie is the working, the mechanical workings of the kitchen and, uh, and also just um, how people that work in a high-end restaurant in the kitchen and out on the floor and how it's almost run like a military kind of a thing or uh, uh, the chef is almost like a, um, a general like Patton or a, a coach like Bobby Knight or um, Bear Bryant or somebody like that that expects perfection and just drives the people. But it, this also has a, um, a another story of two of uh, a guy going through um, dealing with his past and redemption and uh, recovery and and uh, just a lot some like psychological things. Um, I thought it was good. I honest to God, I watched it, and I and I I would not mind watching it again. Um, there was I can't remember what the um, there was a documentary that would be a good companion piece for this uh, that I watched about a young guy who was a master chef, and I'll have to come up with that again. I've mentioned it before on several episodes way back, uh, but I can't remember off the top of my head what it's called. Um, so anyway, Burnt uh, with Bradley Cooper. It was pretty good. I, th- I thought it was pretty good. Uh, what I did not think was pretty good was 2004's Blade Trinity, uh, which was uh, an abortion. And uh, the the uh, doctor that performed the abortion was David S. Goyer, who wrote and directed this piece of shit. Uh, they have, uh, as, as a writer, Marv Wolfman, but I think they have him down there because he created the character Blade. I doubt if he had too much to do with this fucking turd. Um, I hate this movie. Um, I feel sorry for Wesley Snipes. I know that he hated this movie. Um, he didn't even want to be in it. Uh, they said he didn't even, like, hardly even speak to his co-stars because of the way that this movie was handled. Blade was really good. Uh, the second Blade movie, uh, I thought was very good too. Ron Perlman had, I li- I liked, uh, you know, Guillermo del Toro, how he took the movie and everything. Um, Wesley Snipes was writing. This could have been, I mean, it's a franchise, but this killed the franchise, and it should have, and could have, and would have been way better, um, and went on longer, but they fucked it up. And there are, first of all, Wesley Snipes, who is the titular Blade, is the fucking star of the fucking movie. He should be out front, uh, front and center, kicking ass, and everything. everybody else should be like a side thing. Um, so they add, and, and, and I know, okay, in the Tomb of Dracula comics, um, where Blade was born and created... Uh, they did have these other characters. Um, oh, what's her name? Van Helsing. There was the the girl who was one of the Van Helsings, and then they had um, what's his dick face, Hannibal King. I mean, now I'm saying that, but in the comics they were good characters, but they were side characters. 
they bring in Jessica Biel and and because um, Hugh Jackman's movie Van Helsing came out they decided they didn't want to bring the Van Helsing woman character into this so they created this character of Whistler's who was Chris Christopherson's daughter and cast Jessica Biel and then they put Ryan Reynolds in the character of Hannibal King I like Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool the Deadpool movie not the fucking Wolverine movie where it sucked um he plays the same fucking character in every goddamn fucking movie. And Hannibal King, to me, was not like the character in this movie. This movie, they shouldn't have even called him Hannibal King. They should have just called him Ryan Reynolds. Uh, the character should have been named Ryan Reynolds, played by Ryan Reynolds. Um, Jessica Biel tries to be a badass. And it's not that she doesn't look fit and everything and she learned to shoot the bow and all that shit but it doesn't matter those two characters are shit and they should have made the movie closer to either tomb of dracula or did the movie the way that they wanted to do it which was it was going to take place in the future after blade 2 and it was going to be in a world where the vampires did take over they run everything I mean, they run the government, they run everything. And Blade's the last dude. Kicking fucking ass on all these motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm gonna kill all you motherfuckers. <laughs> I love Blade, but I don't love him in this. Because one of the reasons I don't love him in this is he looks miserable. He was miserable. He looks miserable. He doesn't hardly say fucking anything in the whole fucking movie. Uh, he hates Jessica Biel and fucking Ryan Reynolds. And it shows because they took the movie away from Blade and made him like kind of like a side character where he's just there and makes some quips every once in a while about how stupid they are and shit. Dominic Purcell, I like him in some, uh, uh, some of the straight-to-DVD movies that he's made. He's made a lot of them. He makes good straight-to-DVD movies for with Uwe Boll and, and other people. Um, I just, the writer and director, who's the same guy, he just fucked this up. It's not anybody else's fault but him. He's a piece of shit. He should never be able to fucking do anything again. They even put Triple H in this. And I hate Triple H, so I don't give a fuck. Uh, some people said that they thought he was good in this. I Fuck him. I, I don't like that guy. Fuck him. I don't give a shit. Um, Remar's in this. <laughs> And Chris Christopherson, they put him in it for like two seconds, and then he's like, um, yeah, this is a turd, and what's this motherfucker's name? David S. Goyer. I'm looking him up to see what else this cocksucker did. Hopefully nothing. He should be banished. He killed Blade. Come on, fucking computer, you piece of shit. David S. Goyer. Your motherfucking computer, you ain't worth a shit. You fucking motherfucker. All right, wait a minute. David S. Goyer. This is the fun part of the show, where I'm kind of like taking a break while I'm while I'm talking and typing and drinking. Okay. Well, anyway, let's not talk anymore about this. I hated this movie. Um, 
I enjoyed Jessica Biel's butt, but I saw her on a show the other day, and she's in that new series, um, which I heard was pretty good, but she works out too much. First of all, she has a very fit body, but she came walking out on one of these late-night shows, and it used to be she'd walk out and she'd have like a tight dress on, and from the front, you're kind of like, yeah, but when she turned to the side, you're like, oh my god, man, she has a bubble, the the, the perfect bubble butt and everything. Um, her shoulders are too goddamn wide. They're too fucking square. She, you know, quit working out so much. I mean, if you're going to work out, that's fine. But when you start getting shoulders like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, come on, and and you start kind of walking kind of like a, like a muscular man. <laughs> I still want to smash a pie on her butt. And then hit it with a, I was going to say a ping pong paddle, but that's not, ping pong paddle would be good. You know, no, you know, it would be smash a pie and it would have to have like a banana cream pie because it would have to have the, the meringue and stuff on it. Smash that on her butt and then take one of those big things that looks like a paddle that they make pizza on or they, they get the pizza out of the oven. They slide it under the pizza and pull it out, but it's like a big flat paddle and just fucking haul off and just whack her with that. So, you know, I don't know, Brocco, uh, maybe I shouldn't have watched his movies. Um, okay. So I did watch right before the show, uh, 1916. Yes. I said 1916's the fatal glass of beer. And this stars WC fields. Um, who else is in this mother fragger? Elmo Lincoln, who played uh, Tarzan. I remember that name from somewhere. Uh, he was, I think, the first Tarzan on in movies. Um, this is only about. This is only about, I think, eighteen minutes long. It's a W. C. Fields um, um, movie, and it's fucking pretty funny. Um, now, why the hell it's W.C. Fields, but then W.C. Fields fucking, they didn't even have him on the list of, uh, let me look it up here. I want to make sure that this is W.C. Fields. <laughs> Maybe it's not. That was him. I know it was him. Oh, let's see here. <laughs> 1916. The, now, this does not have W.C. Fields as this being one of his fucking movies, but I thought for sure that was him in this. Oh, that's not W.C. Fields. That's James Cagney. It says Jack Bramall, Elmo Lincoln, Tully Marshall, and Ted Sampson. But I swear, people, I'm telling you. Okay, let me see what it says here. Maybe it'll give me... Okay. I'm going on the warpath. Uh, that's W.C. Fields in this. They fuck off. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty fucking funny. It's short, and like I said, uh, one of the one of the great gimmicks is um, uh, I won't tell you what it is in case you haven't seen it because it is on YouTube for free. Uh, it involves snow and it runs through the whole kind of sketch, but I liked it, and it's got a lot of uh, it's got a lot of sight gags too. Um, I think that's about it, my my people. Give a couple shout-outs here while my throat is still... It just gets that tickle. What's that tickle? What's that tickle? Mary and Chief are outside. For, they want they want It's nice weather for them. It's not hot. We have a couple of hurricanes coming, uh, which is going to be a big thrill, considering that I'm going on vacation. Um, 
Give a little shout out to uh, El Gorro on the Talk Without Rhythm podcast. It's a good show. He covers a couple movies a week. Has some interesting angles. Um, he'll lift some weights and comb some beards and drink some grog. I guess grog. I always see him drinking some grog, ale, grog. What else is there? What else comes in the big, like uh, cow horns that you drink and pour half down your face and chest? Anyway, talk with all the rhythm podcast starting El Gorro. Moving right along, I love love that album. Uh, that's a music podcast. <laughs> Sorry, Morris. <laughs> I got I got tongue tied there for a second, but if you want to, well, look, I'm watching my thing here. When I start laughing, it just this thing goes up and down across there. Um, love that album is a good podcast. Uh, Morris has um, a keen understanding of the lute and the bassoon. <laughs> Check it out. If you like music, I mean, he's into all that fucking shit. All the goddamn uh, drums and um, Australian stuff. Spiders, snakes. What else do they have down there? Hordes of guys with buttless chaps on motorcycles uh, in the wasteland. And, um, yeah. But I love that album podcast. It's a good, it's a good, 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 good podcast. Uh, get some insight on uh, some famous and interesting albums and movies uh, that uh, have uh, really cool and awesome music in it. Uh, let's see, what's this one? G-G-T-N-K-A 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 Oh! G-G-T-M-C I thought it was a word. I, it's got a water stain on it. Uh, some kind of stain. Uh, Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class trash since uh, 1920. Uh, that was like the Gilded Age. Uh, so anyway, you got Will, Big William, oh, let's see, Large William, or Big Willie. Okay, who's on that show? You have Large William, and then you have Big Willie, Samurai, you get that other guy, and he doesn't. I don't think he has a name. He doesn't have a name, but he makes fucking beer, like a big, uh, like two big coolers of micro brewed beer. He's the Baron Zemo of beer on uh, GGTMC. That would be Todd. Got some other people that come on there every once, once in a while. Sometimes around here they would say once instead of once. I don't know why. Where that tea came from. I don't think it's an apostrophe. Paleo Cinema Podcast, uh, starring uh, the legendary Frost Giant, uh, Terry Frost, uh, who uh, also does the Martian Drive-In Podcast, where he has all those quirky knobs and uh, those lights that go loop, 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 and like beakers that have uh, fucking shit coming out of them, and, and that thing that goes when the lightning hits it, and, and then the goddamn got the ray gun. Paleo Cinema is one of the best fucking movie podcasts out there. Uh, he knows his shit, and uh, he covers all the classic movies that I like because I am old. Suplex, multiplex, baby. 
Cinemascus Justin Oberholzer is doing a podcast again. He is back at it after a long absence from your ear holes and your other holes. The Suplex Multiplex, baby, is a place that you go where you can get a brain buster, a bulldog headlock, an abdominal stretch, and then possibly get an iron claw on the testicles, baby. So check out the Suplex Multiplex, uh, starring the infamous Justin Oberholzer, the Cinemascist. And lastly, we have Justice First Dawn. Uh, Mike Peacock is back in action. He was uh, away for a while. I don't want to say where. He uh, had to go away and and get things right, uh, make amends, and uh, take care of business, TCB. Uh, but um, I'm glad he's back because he has a wealth of comic... See this? I'm tearing up the piece of paper. Uh, he has a wealth of comic book knowledge and a passion. A passion! He does for DC Comics and all that entails. Um, got a lot of Justice League action where he goes into the depths of the old golden and silver age and all them ages. The latex age. He gets into that too with Lois Lane and uh, Wonder Woman, Diana Prince. Uh, but anyway, Mike Peacock is a good guy. He likes comics, he does a podcast. Okay, this one is a short. Uh, this one, this show is actually half as long as the last show, because I didn't watch as many movies. Plus, I think I have to go to the bathroom, and I need to go gargle um, something. So I will just say again, I appreciate everyone's support. Keep sending that money in. I'll keep getting all this good equipment, uh, you know, uh, your your dollars that you sent in uh, have really helped out with the podcast. I got a new toilet put in, low flow, with a high seat, and, 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 and the seat is one of those kind of egg-shaped, which is more comfortable, so I can read more comics on the toilet. I can also set my iPad on the toilet seat when it's closed so that I can watch movies and review them on the Silver and Gold podcast. Thanks, everybody, and we'll be back sooner than you think. Well, it might be longer than you think because I'm going on vacation and Loaf is still in the asylum. <laughs> And Halloween is on its way. I don't know what that means. So anyway, this is uh, Zom calling from uh, Zomania with the Zomcast. Extra, extra. Read all about it, baby. (laughs) 